Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk. I have a yet another post-Eric Cohn uh, paternity leave uh, <laughs> addition to the podcast. Uh, please welcome our fabulous film editor, Kate Herbland. Hello, Kate. And it's not, po- it's like right in the middle of Eric Cohn paternity leave. He's still and, on uh, it. Yes, yes, still, he hasn't I, Although I see yet. him. He's, he's around. He was at he's going to Nightmare Alley last night. Yes, yes, he is. The first order of business is one of the earliest uh, award groups uh, has has weighed in with actual uh, winners, right? The Gotham Awards. Yes. And you attended. Tell me what it was like. Well, not only did I attend, I was on one of the nomination committees for Breakthrough Director, which is first time directors. It was a wonderful batch. I was very pleased with them. And I attended. Um, it felt kind of like being back there in 2019. You know, they do it at Cipriani on Wall Street. There's a wonderful cocktail hour beforehand where everyone can mix and mingle and sort of a boisterous, often too long dinner where they announce the winners. They do all these tributes. It felt really normal, which means a lot of the time it felt abnormal because you start thinking about it and you're like, wait, no, I haven't done this for a while, but it was really great. I really enjoyed it. I think everyone was happy to be back together. They had a lot of great protocols in place so that I think people felt really safe. Um, it was really enjoyable. It really felt like the kickoff for award season. What were some of the highlights in terms of um, <clears throat> presentations and, and uh, you know, speeches? Any Anybody make a memorable presentation? Well, yeah, I mean, the tributes are always wonderful. Um, Ethan Hawke, oh my God, I don't even remember who he was in. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Ethan Hawke did the Peter Dinklage tribute and it was wonderful and funny and very personal. Um, he quoted Walt Whitman. He went through Peter Dinklage's entire career, their relationship. Um, and I think everyone really enjoyed that. But Ethan is always, um, you know, if you've never seen Ethan speak in person, you're missing out. And I think we all enjoyed that. Um, I was seated at the Magnolia Pictures table and their founder, Eamon Bowles, was being feted and tributed and he is not uh he doesn't really like public speaking but he no, gave he a wonderful speech um and that was fun and you know they were all really excited for him and so i, I cheered just as much as they did i promised to be a, an honorary magnolia person that night i think that i fulfilled that that was all <laughs> wonderful um and then reservation dogs when reservation dogs won for i believe it was breakthrough series over 40 minutes um the creator sterling hojo gave a rousing, uh, you know, very interesting speech about the history of Wall Street in terms of um, the Native American population and things that had been done to them in the very early days of Manhattan, which was somehow both really funny and depressing, uh, which seems sort of in keeping with his show. And I think everyone really enjoyed that. And I think a lot of people probably walked away thinking, I want to watch that. So mm. if we start out with best feature, up against uh, the eventual winner were The Green Knight, Passing, Pig, and Test Pattern. And I would say, and the winner is The Lost Daughter. Um, 
it, people tend to make a lot of the Gothams because they are such an early uh, award show. But at the same time, if you think about it, uh, in terms of you know what you're talking about, the committees that vote on it, Eric and I debate this every year. Eric wants to say that the Gothams are so influential. And in, in fact, they, they put some titles in that maybe people will check out. But how many people pay attention to the Gothams? You see a trade story. Maybe. You don't watch the streaming thing. Um, so what does happen is that something like The Lost Daughter gets an extra push, especially since it dominated yeah. it, it dominated the night, winning winning uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal for, for Best Actress. Um, no, for Best, <laughs> listen to me, For I'm, I'm used to having her be an actress. She's obviously a director for the Bingham Ray Breakthrough Director uh, Award. Um, and then uh, lead performance, which was gender free this year for mm -hmm. the first time, was Olivia Coleman. So where do you think the impact uh, of the Gothams really, really is on, on the overall? awards process i mean i don't think i certainly don't think it's as impactful as i guess eric seems to think i think um one thing that's interesting is that you know like the indie spirits there is a limit to how much uh, to the budget of a film so you'll be like oh why was power million. Yeah. Yeah. yeah people are like oh you know everyone's talking about power of the dog why wasn't that there jane campion didn't get a tribute but the film didn't qualify for any of these other awards. Um, so something like The Lost Daughter, which has always had good buzz, is not yet out. Definitely needs a little shove. I think this is going to give it. People are going to think, oh, well, you know, good performance, good film, uh, good director. Maybe not even realizing Maggie Gyllenhaal is now a director. So it'll get like a little push, but I don't think it's all of a sudden. Certainly The Lost Daughter is not all of a sudden like a, a major best picture contender. I don't think, you know, the general shape of the race has changed so much after Monday. It might give a lift to Olivia Coleman, but that Ooh, best yeah. actress race is so competitive um, yeah. and only more so, um, you know, now that Nicole Kidman is, is getting in there. You know, I, I wanted to, to hope for Penelope Cruz because she's so great in Parallel Mothers, but she, she may not make it now. Um, it's yeah, just, it's a, it's it's a rough, it's, it's, it's packed. So um, best documentary feature. Uh, Ascension, Faya Day, President, and Summer of Soul uh, succumbed to Flea, uh, right. which uh, is definitely getting a lot of attention and is going to make it somewhere in some category, whether it's documentary or, or uh, Denmark's uh, Oscar submission. Um, or animated. Or animated. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so, but it's still... Well, Elspeth Bashir did not get in there. It's sort of that's the model for for right. uh, for this. Uh, the you know the shorts and animation branch is is very uh, particular about what they yes, consider to be singular. good animation. They're, yeah, yeah, they're a little different. <laughs> uh, and then best international. Uh, on the other hand, I would say that Summer of Soul is likely to be the documentary front runner uh, right. as we head toward the shortlist voting. Um, the, but these are some of the titles that'll end up on that shortlist. Um, and then we have um, international feature. I was thrilled with the winner, Drive My Car. Yeah. Thrilled. Yeah. It's, it's like that my favorite movie of category. the year. Up yeah. against and Power I mean, of the Dog. Well, I mean, I'm also, like, obviously there's a lot of affection at, at IndieWire for Drive My Car. And I think there's also a lot of affection for Worst Person in the World, which was in the mix. And they were there looking, you know, wonderful and very gorgeous. excited. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
so, you know, that's, that's exciting to see them in the mix. Um, I wasn't surprised by that win, but I think the room felt very excited by it. I, I don't know if Maggie Gyllenhaal is going to wind up in the best director race. That's just too tough to get into the top five uh, at the Oscars. There's too many yeah. big names. Campion will get in for sure. I mean, and, you know, there's obviously there's still some retrograde thinking about, oh, you know, we'll have one woman. Maybe we'll have two women again this time. Wow. And uh, pushing past that seems, unfortunately, um, not not something that's going to happen this year, maybe for the next few years. Well, you know, um, Nomadland, uh, Chloe Zhao, her, uh, her directing acumen was so obvious and so extraordinary, and she did things that other people had never done before. Um, you couldn't deny uh, the directing skill involved in that film, um, whereas, you know, Lost Daughter's very well done, and it is a great debut, but it, it, it is on a smaller scale. That's the problem. You need, you need yeah, a movie so to have many... some scale and scope to it. Well, and it has so many wonderful performances. I think a lot of people are taken by the performances, maybe not paying as much attention to what Maggie is doing behind the camera. And maybe the screenplay would win. You know, there there are two categories for screenplay, so right. you get a chance of, of that. Um, and then we have the the screenplay category, which she won. That so that helps her. Yeah. No, that's that's one of the few things where it's like, yes, I can see that actually happen, like helping and maybe happening. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's you know two categories at the Oscars. It's a much bigger field that she can break into there. The winner for supporting performance was Troy Kotzer and Coda. Now that is something where I think yeah. critics groups could really help push him into contention. And I am talking to people on the circuit who are seeing Coda, catching up with it. It's playing very well Yes, with the Academy. It's a perfect soft lob down the middle for the Academy. I mean, they've been doing a ton of screenings and Q and A's. Um, I, had lunch with Amelia Jones on Monday before the Gotham's. They're all back together. They're traveling to London to do stuff there. They all love each other. They're all going to talk up each other. I think there really is real love there. And I think a lot of people didn't see it when it was, you know, it was in limited theaters. I think people are still navigating Apple TV plus and what that means. And I think that, I think, and I hope that Coda comes back around because I think it's a really lovely film. And I think there's a lot of lovely, interesting stuff at play within it. I would say Chris screenplay would be um, should be a contender. I don't know whether it will be. Um, and then the other uh, Marley Maitland seems like an obvious Academy play as well. Um, but that's a, also a very competitive uh, category. Yes. And then I'm worried about Ruth Nega in passing, uh, who I think gives one of the great performances, but I can sort of feel that movie not gaining the traction that it needs. I mean, I, I love passing so much. I loved it so much at Sundance. And then you could sort of see the attention dip over the summer. And then it came back at New York Film Festival and had a slightly different cut that was even better. There seemed to be like a big affection for both Ruth and Tessa Thompson immediately after New York Film Festival. But yeah, it does seem to have dipped. And I think the, the problem is that they're both wonderful in it. And I think people sort of get confused. Who's the lead? Who's supporting? Although I think it's easy to say, Tessa's lead and Ruth is supporting because it's three yeah, Tessa's eyes. So. But I yeah. think that there's still some confusion where it's like, oh, the two leads are women. What to do with that? Which hmm. is its own problem. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then breakthrough performer Amelia Jones. Um, <laughs> she's fantastic. I just don't see her able to break in. Uh, yeah, it's a very, in this yeah. case. Yeah. I mean, and she's still young and 
it, I think she's someone, it will happen for her eventually. I think she's lovely and very talented. She had to learn so many things for Coda. Like obviously she had to learn sign language, but people don't realize she had to learn how to sing. And she also had to learn how to fish. Like there is nothing <laughs> fake there. She learned it all. And I think, but she seemed, you know, when we had lunch on Monday, it's, you know, two years away from filming it and she's still delighted and excited to talk about these things. And so I think there's only more good stuff to come for her. So today, as we're recording, um, we decided to get out ahead of, of the National Board of Review. We'll, we'll catch up with that uh, next week. But that's another uh, idiosyncratic group of a, a small group. Uh, they don't really reflect the Academy voters or the critics, really. No. They just get another group of titles out you know, to be considered really, yeah. right? Yes. And, you know, they always have, I feel like you can pick out what's going to be an NBR title, but there's always going to be a couple that you're like, I don't know. They always seem <laughs> to love Warner Brothers titles. Maybe they're going to go crazy for Dune. I've been hearing that percolating. But like you said, I mean, most of these people are not people who are in the business. We're not mingling with these people at events and asking them and trying to get a gauge on these things. So I don't know. The only thought I have is Dune. Just go nuts for Dune. Well, sometimes they have a little bit of, um, I don't know, the word I want to use is civic pride. You know, they, they go for the socio-economic, uh, 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 you know, liberal movie. I, right. I, I would say, if you like, King Richard would, would feel like yeah. a, a movie that they would go for. Uh, um, and then um, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, what they what they end up doing uh and then we have your group the new york film critics group which is voting friday uh, friday, friday starting at 9 a.m at lincoln center i mean you're more in touch with the critics in new york uh, this is the new york group yeah. and again influential very very influential but remember yeah. they are not the same as the academy right. and i mean i think especially when it comes to performance um in the supporting categories in particular sometimes we have a little more out there picks. We have people we want to Tiffany bolster. Haddish. Tiffany Haddish is obviously is the gold standard. <laughs> Eric's everyone, fave. <laughs> that everyone still talks about. And so um, I feel like there, there could be something there. Um, I know that obviously the power of the dog has a lot of affection amongst yeah. the New York film critics. Um, I would be shocked but, if they don't give it a few things. So I think that there'll be a few things there. Um, but I think there could always be some surprises. I think, you know, we have some wonderful categories. I love that we do um, best first film. There's a lot of possibilities there. It could be mm -hmm. more like the Gotham's where it's films that, you know, people in LA might not have heard of because it's people that- Sean Hedder could be, get in there yep. for that. Yeah. No, she was, uh, she did Tallulah. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is her second film. But yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's, but we could get Maggie in there. We can get Rebecca Hall in there. Uh, Shatara Michelle Ford for Test Pattern, which is a film that I love a lot that got a lot of attention at Gotham's and I think has mostly been seen by New York critics. So I'm excited about it. I, I make no claim to know what everyone else is thinking, but I do think, um, you know, you don't need to go much further than Twitter to see how much the New York critics love Power the Dog. Tragedy of Macbeth could use some help from the critics. That's an interesting case. There, uh, something that played at New York Film Festival, obviously opening night. Joel Cohen, yeah. sort of storied filmmaker, but um, needs a little lift. Yeah. I think that they've been struggling um, to get screenings going. I got an email this morning. They're like, Kate, are you around today? We're probably going to do a screening around two if you want to come. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm 
pretty busy. And they're like, we might be able to get you a link. So I think that you might see, uh, if you follow a lot of New York Film Critics Circle members on Letterboxd, maybe you're going to see a lot of uh, diary entries popping up this evening for Tragedy of Macbeth, anyone who didn't see it at New York Film Festival. But, you know, we've been getting a lot of these links kind of late. I know that people that want... That seems crazy. Well, Netflix has crazy. a million things. Uh, now, that's yeah. not Netflix. Tragedy of Macbeth yeah. is, is obviously uh, Apple. Yeah. Yes. And Amazon. Yeah. And, and uh, A24, A24, right? A24. But yeah, but just like, you know, people sort of hoping to be the last thing that you see. And so you're excited about it. But if everyone is sending you the links and the screening invites last minute, some of that stuff isn't going to be seen. And obviously it is our duty if we're voting to see as much stuff as we can. But I don't know. It's always like if people send links right before Thanksgiving, I think that's that is the sweet spot because, you know, you've got a few days off. time at home. You're going to. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. No, it was fun. I have to say, King Richard, uh, anecdotally, just in terms of people watching things over Thanksgiving and talking about it, uh, that's playing well for people. Yeah. And it's not only my family, right, but right. Uh, Academy members. Um, yeah. they're, they're, some people, I, I get a, a range of responses to Belfast, a range of responses to Dune. A lot of it depended on whether you're a sci-fi fan or not, right? right? Um, you know, whether you go into that world with, a, with an open mind. Uh, but uh, everyone seems to like King Richard, honestly. That's true. I mean, everyone sort of complained about or bemoaned the box office take on it. But I think that that is a case of a, a film that a lot of people watched at home with their families, and you know you could watch it kind of designed that way yeah exactly absolutely uh no uh well that (laughs) there's a story on the site today by chris lindahl about how to measure uh success uh uh, and and uh, it it bring speaking of Eamon balls um i had a conversation with him at the new york film festival um Mm -hmm. where where he said that he used to you know you used to look at your your spreadsheets in the morning after the weekend and you would see where all the or at the end of the month to see where all the revenue came in from on right. your individual movie. He used to have, a, a, you know, six or seven, something like that, different v- venues for, for, for revenue. Now there's like 35. And, and that's sort of what Chris's piece reveals, is that it, it, there's multiple platforms, multiple revenue sources. Movies are playing all over the place. And there's multiple ways to determine how popular something is. I mean, obviously social media has been one of those for a long time but it's like if you're getting a ton of play on social media how do you measure that in terms of success and reach that's true and and that's the new normal is measuring reach measuring engagement um and uh box office is no longer as important now the uh you don't get the lift uh for king richard uh, of being a box office hit but it may not matter anymore yeah i mean as much as we think I don't think it matters as much anymore. I think especially in a couple of years, it's really not going to. Yeah, it's still great to say, oh, our movie was number one at the box office. Our movie made $100 million. But that went out of fashion pretty quickly because it had to. So, But Dune, yeah, Dune, you yeah. could claim, was a box office hit. Yeah. And and that helps that movie, in, yeah. in, in fact. Um, all right. And then we have, all right, here's where we are. We're, we're going to, t- to talk about the two new movies of the year. So let's start with your take on Nightmare Alley. Oh, gosh. Um, so I saw Nightmare Alley last night at 8 o'clock at Alice Tully. Um, Pretty much everyone was there. I know Kate Blanchett zoomed in from London afterwards. Giant like, scale, <laughs> hovering yeah. over the whole. <laughs> um, I think, here's my thinking. 
um, it's like two different films. You have the first more than act, like an elongated first act where you see Bradley Cooper um, coming into this circus carnival world and realizing how he may be able to apply his talents um, in a sort of mystical way, but not really. It's just more con man stuff. And then the second half, when Kate Blanchett shows up, he's really, he's fully steeped in this world. He's become a very different person. And I really like this. I appreciate and admire the second half more. I wish it was more like the second half. I think it, the second half has a lot more momentum. It's much more brutal. It's when it gets kind of gruesome. Um, and I, I wish it was more like the second half. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I would say that the what I loved about the beginning of the movie is that you're introduced to this character in a mysterious way. You don't, you, yeah. you, you think he maybe killed someone, right. but you don't know why or how or to what degree he was villainous in, in so doing. Um, how much, he seems to be carrying a lot of guilt um and and doesn't think very highly of himself and he's a he's a bit of a cipher and you watch him blossom in the carney universe and gain all these skills uh and he's 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 involved with tony collette and uh David Strait Theron and Willem Dafoe. These are, you know, the people, uh, and, and he falls for, of course, uh, Rooney Mara um, and, and pulls her uh, into his orbit. Mm -hmm. um, so you watch his growth with some fascination, still not knowing if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And then uh, there's this amazing shot. I mean, the, 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 the world that De Del Toro creates is so beautiful yes. and the camera work and the set design and all of that. So you can assume that the Oscars are going to be humming the sets on this one. The crafts. Yeah, I mean, the production, the crafts are superior. You the never cinematography. Yeah. yeah. No, he's just a master filmmaker. So there's this extraordinary, right in the middle of the movie, as you say, there's this extraordinary, um, the movie is cut in half. And there's this extraordinary uh, crane shot that's coming back, 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 back as this car is leaving the uh, carnival in the rear view. Uh, yep. Very small. It's reducing. And he and Ma Rooney Mara, I'm giving a little oh. bit away right now. I'm, is, for, forgive me. But the second <laughs> half is, uh, is, is a whole different movie. You're right. Yeah. Um, and much more brutal and, and intense and, uh, everyone's venal <laughs> except Rooney Mara. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I keep seeing people talking about how like, you know, this is some great moral tale and I think it's not, I think it's mostly populated with a lot of not good people who do not good things and more not good things happen to them. Rooney, as you say, her character Molly is the only one who seems to have any innocence left. And or a moral she, compass. Yes, or a moral compass that everyone else sort of gets slowly chipped away at as the film goes on, even though there are some people we meet in it who um, do not have a moral compass when we meet them. Um, but Richard think, Jenkins is very good uh, also. And, and Blanchett is great. The set yes. of her office is to <gasps> die for. Oh, my God. It's stunning. It is this All that art wood. deco thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, gorgeous. Stunning. Yeah. yeah, blonde. Uh, uh, he, he Del Toro was on a uh, press conference this morning, and he he described it as a sort of Rorschach test. You know, the all the way that the the, the, the designs of of her office. So he goes to town with the, the the look and feel. But let's be honest, this is a dark noir uh, of bleak proportions, and which is going to play for a small audience. I think even if Del Toro commands uh, a huge following. Uh, among cinephiles, they will go yeah. to see it in theaters. Fox yeah, I mean, Searchlight, so it's a theater yeah, play. It's not, 
it's not a feel-good film, even though I think, uh, you know, it ends on the sort of deliciously dark, horrible notes that I wish we saw more of, that just bleak, bleak humor. Um, well, if you remember the first movie, uh, you do remember where it's going to end, and that yeah. was haunting me throughout. Uh, right, although he, there, he and Tim Morgan have made some changes to exactly that, but yes, if you've seen the original... <laughs> Um, you have a pretty good idea of where it will end. Yeah. So Guillermo del Toro and Kim Morgan, uh, over the course of the past few years, have become a couple, and now they're married. Now right? they're married. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's what so, we read. She, we read they that. wrote the. Yes, we 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 yeah. we printed that, uh, <laughs> published that, and we. So uh, there, they wrote this together, and uh, yes. so she she was going on about the. She's a very very erudite uh, scholarly. Uh, not no, she knows a lot about movies uh, in a way that uh, he probably appreciate indeed appreciates. Um, <laughs> so then we have West Side Story. Oh wait, but Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. We had heard a lot about what a what a deep dive he took in 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 the course of discovering this character and this performance, and it is a complicated character and it is a complicated performance, and he's very good. At the same time that I don't, he's such a terribly unlikable guy that I can't imagine he's going to beat out all the other actors for Best Actor nominations. And I feel like Bradley Cooper is getting to this level where it's like, he's so good at sort of working against himself. Like, it's Bradley Cooper. Of course, he's going to be really good. And, you know, you, you know when you watch Wedding Crashers, I don't think you would have thought that, although he was hilarious in Wedding Crashers, but he is already at such a, a high level all the time that... You know, it feels like something has to be really big and huge and deep to say like, oh, well, this is something that deserves more attention than it, than it would get already. And I think yeah, he's good in it, but it's a tough character. He's not someone that you root for. And again, it's another very crowded field. So I would be very surprised if he broke through. And it only leads me back. Um, I did write about Simon Rex this week. Yes, you did for Red Rocket. And it leads me back to what he accomplishes in that movie. It, it, you could argue that he plays a terrible character, <laughs> a guy who just does everything wrong. And you know, from the beginning of the movie, who he is somehow. And, and he does, he, but you're rooting for him right. to be redeemed. You're rooting for him to find his best self and, and not go down the road. And that doesn't happen yes. here with Bradley's character. No, it's, it's funny that you Stan. said you're rooting for him. Yes, yeah, Stan, Stan Carlisle. You're rooting for him to be his, with Simon's character in Red Rocket, you're rooting for him to be his best self and to get better. And I think there's never a moment in Nightmare Alley where you feel that way about Stan because like, you know, there's, he's not going to become a good person. He's not going to tap into whatever good he has. There are brief moments when you think, okay, maybe, but it's just like, I think it's very clear from the beginning. Like, it's not that kind of film. Like, there's not no. a lot of redemption here for people. He's an empty hole yeah. uh, that needs to be filled and yes. will never be filled. No. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Um, all right, West Side Story. I know. <sighs> so uh, let's go, uh, Kate. Uh, well, I mean, Monday night was a huge night in New York City. It was like you had to choose between going to the Gotham's or going to the West Side Story premiere, which was, you know, a very hard choice. My my own um, home was split over it. I went to the Gotham's. Uh, my my longtime partner, Mike Ryan from Uproxx, went to West Side Story. He went to the premiere. It was at Jazz Lincoln Center. It was 
fantastic. Everyone got to watch the red carpet beforehand. You could just tell, even just like the pictures he was sending me, you could see the energy and the electricity on the red carpet where, you know, that can be sort of a, ugh. And then afterwards, you know, reading at the Gotham's, all these responses, everyone's so excited. I was so thrilled. Um, I don't know. I don't think you can doubt Spielberg, but I think that, you know, there's so many remakes and requels and reimaginings out there. It's okay to wonder, well, why? Why are you taking this on? And Spielberg has said he's loved the film his entire life. He grew up on it. But I wondered, well, then why do you want to redo it? And then on Tuesday morning when I went to go see it, I was like, oh, I get it. Yes, I, you know, no problems here. Like the the changes that he and, and Kushner made and not Tony just in terms, Kushner, yeah, yeah. Tony Kushner, who's his not, frequent yes. uh, collaborator. Yeah, not just in terms of where certain um, numbers are showing up. It's been reordered. It looks a lot more like the Broadway show, not right. the original film. Um, in terms of casting, some of the choices he makes, like one that people have been talking about a lot is that there are many scenes that are in Spanish or Spanglish that are not subtitled. Um, if people want to complain about that, I think that's silly because his actors are so fantastic that you get you know what exactly what's you know going exactly on. What's going on. Um, and it just felt so vital and fresh and what everyone's been saying, like they can't believe that Spielberg hasn't done a musical before because the staging of it, just like the song and dance of it alone is dazzling. I was dazzled and I haven't been dazzled in a while. Got a cat. Got a and cat your cat coming. tail is in. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> it's, it's his name's Oscar. So. Hello, Oscar. <laughs> He's dressed for the Oscars. <laughs> I know. We have two tuxedo cats, so they're both always um, ready for anything. Oscar. Um, so, all right. I loved it too. Yeah. I loved it too. I found the beginning just slightly awkward. That happens with a lot of musicals, where you're you're uh, the the filmmaker is establishing the rules and the world, and you have to just sort of enter it. The idea right. that they would take the raising of Lincoln Center, the, the raising of the neighborhood that, that became Lincoln Center, uh, the slums that were uh, destroyed, that uh, landscape is brilliant. I thought that was a brilliant concept. Uh, it's like you're and it really was the, true to the period. Yeah, it's like you're watching a musical at the end of the world. Yeah. Even though there is still all of this joy and of course pain in it. And I, I love that. I love every time we see Doc's Pharmacy and it's like the only thing left standing um, which, you know, it looks like the really rubble works. of World War Two or yeah, something, it does. you know, it does. so so there there's a real there's a real sort of destroyed landscape that the that the jets and the sharks are running through. And and for all the, uh, you know, fully charged uh, masculinity of uh, of the choreography and, and all the men dancing, which is, of course, wonderful uh, to watch. And, and the music is sublime. This is the great, great score. And and and. Sondheim songs and Bernstein music and, and, you know, Dudamel, uh, conducting the, the orchestra, you know, it is just the sound where I saw it was just sublime. And, and, uh, I hope, uh, you can see it in whatever, you know, fabulous, big, big theater Dolby ish, uh, w way that you can. Um, so, so you can't, it, what's great about the classic original, the, the 61, uh, movie is the music and the choreography and the singing. Uh, what's wrong with it is the casting. And, you know, the old, uh, you know, I'm a big Natalie Wood fan, but but she wasn't Hispanic and she couldn't sing as well as Marnie Nixon, who they dubbed in. And so um, in Even this case, she you... so desperately wanted to sing, but... I know. <laughs> which is always so sad to think about. <laughs> so Rachel Zegler is great. 
the newcomer, the discovery. Yeah. Uh, she sings like a bird. Uh, she's actually a great actress as well. Yes. She's a good Maria. Anson Elwood, he's fantastic. Uh, he's actually very good. Uh, me, but the women like the one, dominate. Like, yeah, he's the okay. women dominate. He's, he's better okay. than Belmer was, Richard. I mean, he's much yes. better. Yeah, but it just like I think that's a know, bad. Think, I mean, that's anyone would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, the point I think that David Ehrlich made this in his review is just like you know when when you have Steven Spielberg is like the top line name on your movie poster on your credits, you can get all kinds of people. And as we can see, I mean, Steven Spielberg cast a lot of people that are not known, at least not known in the movies for all these other roles. And so I sort of wish he had done um, that same thing for for the Tony role. I don't think it it doesn't ruin the film, but I just kept thinking, oh, there has to be someone who could be better at this. Sing. He's a, he he's a sing. good actor. He certainly knows how to move. He's good That's looking. what everyone was saying. No, he's so. a good, no, he's a good yeah. dancer. He's very good. And and the um the others are great, but but okay, let's say who the 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 people who dominate this this movie. Ariana DeBose. Again, yeah. Anita. Anita is the best role yes. in the movie. Yes. And she could follow Rita Moreno and get another uh, get another supporting actress nomination. It's just the heart of the movie. It's yeah, it's the most important role. And she's great yeah. in it. Um, and so I think she gets a slot right there. Uh, that's 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 where Ruth Nega lost her yeah. her slot, I'm afraid. Um, and then and then you have uh, Rita Moreno herself, who isn't that great in some of the talky scenes with Elgort, but because uh, there's some scenes in there that are kind of fakey, you know, like in the yes. store, yeah. it, 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 it doesn't ring true, but there's an amazing, she's very good in many of the scenes and then she gets to sing somewhere and it kills, right. just kills. The whole house was crying, crying, including yeah. me. Oh yeah. That's when I started crying and I took um, our Jude dry with us and Jude was also like like stifling for even more scenes than I was, but I think that's the scene where we both started. Jude is a great singer and can and can you know sing anything from any musical. I've been to uh, Marie's Crisis with Jude, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was sorry to miss the Sondheim tribute. Oh, at yeah. Marie's Crisis, you know that that's my fave. Um, well, I yeah. was also I was so taken with uh, Riff with Mike Faced. I was. Very blown good. away by this performance. Um, Jude mentioned that he has sort of a, a big Kanicki energy, sort of like this ugly, handsome, scary, but you want to see him in he every has swagger. Thing. He has a he lot has of swagger. swagger, but he's also um, a damaged so, guy. I would argue that yes. Kushner and Spielberg added depth to every one of these characters. Yes. Except possibly Tony. Yes, I mean <laughs> well, you know, Tony and Maria have no depth because they're like five years old. There's right. nothing. <laughs> exactly, and the I'm rest kidding. of the Jets and the Sharks have, you know, they've all been through a lot of stuff, and they're in the middle of a, a horrible thing, and we see them plunging deeper into what's going on with you know their lives, and then specifically, of course, what's going on with Tony and Maria, who are hugely important figures to both of these groups. I'm going to take I'm going to take that back. I don't think they're shallow. I would say that even Tony and Maria are deeper than the original. There's yes. more oh, going yes. on with both yeah. of them. And that's that's what's to go back to what we started with. That's how Spielberg and Kushner have improved on on the original and and have have just enriched it, put it into a really good uh, enriched it with a proper context mm -hmm. and um and so the songs, the way they play out dramatically, by the time you get to the end, you are totally uh, in, in, engaged with this. And yeah, it's and you're very totally upsetting. Devastated. Yeah, you're yeah. oh, Yes. 
It, it really works. Um, so it's well, this think, movie is now uh, at the front of the best picture yeah. race. And, yeah. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, Spielberg yeah, and, and Kushner and all of the above. There's an amazing story by A.O. Scott in the Sunday New York Times yeah. uh, that I do recommend if you haven't caught up with it yet, uh, where he really gives you the full picture of, of Tony Kushner. Um, not as much detail about West Side Story as I might have liked. Right. Although but there is a very funny, later. there's a very funny Spielberg cameo in this story, which I thought was funny. Scott and Krishna are sitting on a bench and they're talking and they hear someone go, oh, there's Tony. And they both go by Tony. Obviously, A.O. Scott is the byline, but he goes by Tony and they both turn. Who is it? And it's Spielberg and Kate Capshaw. And Kate Capshaw. Who of course, yes. I mean, Tony Scott speaks to him later for the piece, but it's just like, it's sort of like, this is Tony Kushner's New York where Steven Spielberg can just... <laughs> stroll by and want to talk they're, about they're sitting know, on work. a park bench in, the, yeah. in central park yeah 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 well it was about it was uh, the title of the story was something like um tony kushner's uh, west side you know right. his his new york um well anyway that's that's our uh podcast for this week thank you kate oh and thanks for having me and i guess oscar as well <laughs>